Hey folks, and welcome to Growth Triggers. This is a new segment we're piloting on Deconstructor, a fun podcast focusing on all matters growth. Now, Growth Triggers has two hosts, Eric Suford, founder of Mobile Dev Memo and Heracles Media. Eric is a man who served as head of growth at several top gaming companies and by far the most knowledgeable person to talk about growth that I know of. And your second host is, host is myself, Mishka Katkov, founder of Deconstructor Fun and Savage Game Studios. My background is on the product management and studio leadership side of games. Now, why our background is somewhat relevant is because in this segment, we'll tackle the topics from both marketing and product perspective. So as we're developing this segment, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what topics you'd like us to cover and what we can do to improve. I hope you enjoy the show. And I hope we're able to earn all five stars. Before we start, as always, big thanks to our sponsors. I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky. You, your game is an instant hit. It's resonating with users. But for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zeloff, VP of Marketing at Iron Source. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the Incrementality Solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's Incrementality Solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest that you head out to appsflyers.com. So, so, Eric, Apple faces a major test on how it enforces its policies in key market as China's tech giants explore a way to skirt its privacy changes. Who would you like to talk about these things? Who would I like to hear from? I'd yeah. like to hear from a, a Chinese privacy lawyer. <laughs> is it the uh, is he is he specialized on the uh, on Chinese democracy? <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe um, <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> just, just, just it's the one, the one guy <laughs> the one guy that focuses on those things um yeah i mean this is just like a i don't know this is like, like an atomic bomb going off i i i think um this this to, to my mind this challenges the legitimacy of att right because if you have and i mean i guess if people are you know unfamiliar with the caid they should read a 
pause the podcast and go read up on it. I don't oh, let me let me let me get people on it. Let, please don't okay. pause the podcast. <laughs> don't pause. Let me let me get everybody on the same page. Stay, stay, stay engaged. Yeah, stay engaged. Stay engaged. Come on, man. Retention is the key. So <laughs> bike dance and Tencent were among the companies testing China advertising ID known as CAID, which is being developed by the state backed trade group called China Advertising Association. Early documentation for the solution suggests such an ID would let apps track users for advertising purposes, even if those users didn't explicitly opt in. Uh, the article was saying that their test testing of CAID has been underway since last year. And Apple says in their quote, there was a there was a quote from an Apple spokesperson that says, yeah. you know, if you do this type of things, so your your apps will be rejected. And then the China Advertising Association told that CAD does not stand in opposition to Apple's privacy policy and because it does not collect private data and that it only transmits an encrypted, irreversible results, which the documents say would protect user privacy. And of course, the big question is, what is Apple going to do? Because they have went hard on the paint against Facebook. And, um, and we've known that it, before when, when the uh, CCP has been asking them to remove certain apps that were in violation of what they considered to be, you know, good for China, Apple would nicely take those away. And of course, it's a huge market for Apple. They only have a smaller share. Android is still giant in, in, the, um, in China. So, yeah, like, what, what's your take on this? Well, so... You know the 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 wrinkle here is that yeah the CAA agency is is state backed right. Um, apparently there's like a, 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 a like it's a it's basically a it's like a data co op is is how I've described it. So companies buy into this uh, they sort of like buy a membership into this association uh, and they share data. And the way that it works is that if you have sort of a critical mass of companies that have like a reasonable amount of overlap in terms of DAU, um, just kicking, you know, contributing sort of in real time ish, you know, device uh, setting data attached to an IP address, then as the IP address changes, you can still map the, the, the sort of persistent identifier to the device, right? Because IP address changes over the course of the day as you, you know, change cell towers or, or hop on Wi-Fi or off Wi-Fi. But if, if the device parameters, the device parameters uh, don't change, you know, at, at, at sort of like uh, um, at the same time as the IP address changes. And so like one of those, if one of those, if you have like eight identifiers, right, or however many, and one of them changes, but all the rest stay the same, then you can sort of fill in the new one and understand that that's, that's the same uh, person, that's the same device as, as, as was the last set of identifiers that you saw. Um, and so it's just a way of sort of algorithmically um, maintaining a persistent ID, right? And so there's a couple factors to this though that um make it really complicated for att so one is you need a critical mass of of apps that have this overlapping user base in order for this to work because if you only have one app contributing you know these ip address indexed um you know uh uh device parameters then it's not going to work because because you're not getting a, a real-time enough update to sort of track the ip address changing um so you need enough you need enough overlap where enough apps are seeing the same users kind of in real time ish in order to in order to, to maintain the persistent identifier. And so yeah, this works in China, but like, there's nothing stopping an American company from joining this, I would assume, 
Um, and in, there's a Financial Times article where they said they were even um, inviting some, some French companies to participate, but you need enough of those companies with enough of an audience in any particular geo to, to sort of maintain that, that persistence, right? Um, and so, you know, this, this basically then becomes a China thing, right? Now, th again, there's, there's nothing stopping, you know, maybe a, a bunch of American companies join in, but, um, you know, the, the big ones won't. And so it'd have to be a lot of, you know, sort of smaller app developers joining in to, to have that sort of overlapping um, uh, view of, of the same users. Um, so, okay, so let's say that this is just a China thing. Could you have a separate China policy? And I said, you know, on Twitter, I wrote a, a, a tweet thread about this a couple of days ago. I said, no, I don't think you can. And a bunch of people said, well, there already is one. I mean, Tencent gets uh, special treatment, right? They're not, they're not constrained in the same way that American companies are. But yeah, that's, that's Tencent. That's not China. Um, that's not the entire, you know, the entirety of China doesn't get treated differently than does the entirety of the U.S. market. It's, there's, one, there's one company, right? And, you know, the wrinkle is these companies do have special ties to the Chinese government. And, and there's, there's a, obviously a relationship that needs to be maintained there with Apple. But my sense is you can't implement a, a special privacy policy at the, at the country level um, just because, you know, you've already got Facebook filing a lawsuit against Apple, you know, it, and, and you can't make the case that, um, you know, we, we only care about private. If you're making the sort of case around, hey, this is app, this is the benevolence of Apple. ATT is the benevolence of Apple caring for the welfare of our users, right? Except Chinese users there. We don't care, but we care about you. Well, then, then it, that's just, that's just a, a massive flaw in the argumentation um, that I think weakens the, 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 the case. And, and then, you know, if you do say, okay, well, we're going to allow it in China. I don't know how you then sort of prosecute the use of fingerprinting elsewhere because of that, for that reason. And then you basically nullify ATT because if, if, you know, if this sort of like fingerprinting co-op um, becomes something that you can just roll out anywhere, um, then, then ATT doesn't really exist. It's, it's just sort of like window dressing. And I think the other problem is, well, okay, let's say that, you know, this does become a cross border thing and, and it's not a China policy because, you know, anybody can sort of sign up, uh, you know, to use this data co-op, to use the CAID and contribute data and, and get that persistent ID back. Well, then you've just said, okay, well, our, our big, bold, broad privacy policy results in the IDFA being taken away and instead all events being sent to a Chinese server. <laughs> uh, which would be, it's just, uh, you know, that's, that's intractable, right? Like no one's going to, no one's going to accept that. So, I mean, I feel like this just put Apple in such a difficult position. I don't agree. I don't agree with, um, the, the argument that, well, they already have a separate policy. So this is going to exist as part of that, um, as part of that distinction between the way they treat American companies and Chinese companies. And I'm happy to drop a bombshell on this podcast. I just, uh, I just got pinged from someone who showed me a rejection notice that an app got for an update in China where Apple said, no, we're rejecting your app because you're building an algorithmic persistent ID and, and we don't allow that. So Apple is saying we're not going to allow that. Um, you know, I, I just saw, I just saw it. Uh, okay. And so I, so they, they are not uh, giving China a separate policy or giving Chinese companies a separate policy. I, I really think they have to enforce this, which is going to create a massive headache for Apple. This would be only in China. So for example, Tencent's other apps wouldn't get the, uh, the CAID working outside China. It will be only in China, correct? Well, it's, it has less. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it just has more to do with where the audience is, right? Mm -hmm. So presumably, it would only be valuable for their sort of China focused apps, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where they have Chinese audience. 
um, and that's where they have Chinese IP addresses. Uh, you know, if, 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 you know, me, you know, Eric LLC has an app and I start sending my events, um, IP address indexed, uh, or basically just my, I, my, my device profiles, my device fingerprints, IP address device fingerprints to CAID, they're going to say, this is nice, but you know, you're the only one contributing these IP addresses and these device fingerprints. And therefore we don't have enough of a, of a, um, we don't, we don't have enough sort of transparency around this user to track them as their IP address changes. And so like, cause the thing is like, if, I, if, if you fingerprinted me right now in your app, right. Mm -hmm. And my IP address is X and my battery level is some level and my uh, device storage is some level. And, you know, then you've got my, my, my device uh, model uh, and my OS version. Right. Um, you know, those, so, and then, and then you see me in eight hours mm -hmm. and my battery level is totally different. And my, my memory level is totally different. And my device ID, uh, my device, um, uh, model number and OS version are the same, but my IP address has also changed. You have no idea if that's the same person, right? But if, if, if I'm, you're, you see me in my, my device profile is the same thing. And then someone else sees me, um, and my device profile is the same thing. And someone else sees me and my, my, my device profile is the same thing. And then someone else sees me and my IP address has changed, but my battery level is like basically the same. And my memory is basically the same. Then, you know, okay, well, their, their IP address just changed, but it's the same person because all the other things are the same. All the other parameters are the same, right? So you need to basically be seeing me um, where some of those, some of those parameters, some of those characteristics are the same when the, when the IP address changes. If the next time you see me, everything has changed, you'd have no idea it was me. Why didn't Tencent roll out all their companies under one publisher ID so that they could have the idea fee through that? This is a different topic. It's kind of, kind of, it's kind of the same. I don't know, but but you know what? I think people overestimate um, the ability to use the idea fee for anything mm -hmm. valuable because first of all, when you acquire companies, um, a lot of times when you and this, I mean, I've heard I've heard this, but like when you transition them from one publisher account to the other publisher account, the idea fee doesn't sort of get recalibrated to your publisher account. So the idea fee would still be different, even though it's under the same publisher account, right? And then sometimes you acquire companies and you can't, you can't even move the apps to the, to, to your publisher account because, you know, if they've implemented things like uh, game center or whatever, um, there's certain conditions when an, an app cannot be moved to a new publisher account, right? So there are wrinkles in, in trying to use IDFV for like a persistent ID across the publisher uh, portfolio. Um, you know, that said, obviously, you know, any new user, if you move the app, would have the the consistent IDFV, but you know the existing DAU base would not. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there were the, naturally Zynga has been the one that has been moving actively, uh, all of their acquisitions. I mean, Playtica right. as well. So it was kind of like giving the hint that they are preparing for this through this uh, bundling everything under one publisher ID, and and then, well, you know, all the news about Zynga building their own ad network and so forth, kind of like. Well, that's why, but that's, but that's why you'd build an ad network, right? Cause you could do this. So that's what, I mean, the CAID is basically what I was arguing that AppLevin is going to do, right? It's, it's just that AppLevin is a private company and you know, it owns all those products, right? Um, it's all first party data. And so it's, 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 it's totally valid to do that as AppLevin. It's not valid. I, I don't think to yeah. do that. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely not. Um, it definitely contravenes ATT to, to do that as like, a data co-op that involves a number of companies that is <laughs> sanctioned by the, the government that, you know, that definitely is not, um, that definitely does not abide by the restrictions of ATT. Are publishers prepared to work in SK ad network in your opinion? No, no, it's not, no, not at well, all. I don't even know that SK, SK ad network is, is fully functional yet. Right. I mean, there are a lot of problems with um, conversion values being received with publisher IDs being received 
Um, you know, there's something like I tweeted out a couple of days ago that, you know, I, I, I'd seen some statistics. I think it was like 18% of traffic is SK ad network enabled. Right. Um, so, you know, people haven't even really tested this, you know, they, they haven't, uh, and, and I, to my knowledge, um, no one is like perfectly comfortable saying, yeah, our SK ad network implementation is fully functional, like no ad network yet. Um, and a lot of, a lot of ad networks are running on the, the older version of SK ad network. So yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't, I think if the, if the rollout ends up being next week, as I'm hearing now at the, with the Apple event, I mean, it's going to be a disaster. I think like just people aren't ready. I mean, advertising networks aren't ready, let alone advertisers with all the sort of product implementation. Oh, all right. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. App loving S1. So I tried to have a chat about this in, in the, in the twig this week, but the guys fucking hate everything about ad networks and they just didn't want to hear anything about it. Really? So yeah, yeah, they just they just totally walked out on this. Like, oh, let's man. talk about AAA. So, all right, now I have actually a smart person in front of me. So, App Love and S one. Let me run through the uh, the spiel, just a short spiel, yeah. and then you tell me what's going on. So, rapidly growing company managed to scale, uh, managed to scale adjusted profit as it has grown. Annual revenues north of one billion, I think one point four at the moment. Products designed to help developers to find user and monetize their apps. So own in-house suite of mobile apps with its S1 calls a globally diversified portfolio of over 200 free-to-play mobile games run by 12 different studios. Those apps have 32 million global daily actives. So that's a, that's a nice amount. That's a big um, one. Yeah. From the investment side, KKR bought in into AppLovin back in mid-2018 at a valuation of around $2 billion which is interesting because at that time, AppLovin was growing about 100% a year and they yeah. got them only at a 4X revenue, which is super cheap. Yeah, um, yeah and they're growing really quickly. They, are SA- they have SaaS level gross margins. So I was looking at, you know, when you take all the, all the, all the shenanigans that come from the user, from, from, the, uh, from the M&As, they're basically at a north of 70% gross revenue, uh, gross revenue margins. And um, they do have that typical muddy profit picture due to the uh, the gap basis, but I think that's with everything. Like when you look at Zynga, they're never profitable, but in fact, they're just right. you know, doing really well. So gap is, is kind of weird. Uh, what's clear from the S1 is that they are generating piles of cash and they use that cash to buy companies. And um, of course it decreases the profit, but their EBITDA keeps climbing up. So as they purchase these companies, it, it has immediate effect on they're just making more money. And now they're even buying more companies. Uh, they have a revenue split of 50-50 between business revenue and consumer revenue. And in my opinion, this just indicates that their business has been moving rapidly towards more in-app purchase based games because business revenue is something that is generated from advertisers spending on software and apps while as consumer revenue is generated through in-app purchases made by users on app-loving apps. So there's, a, there's, there's elephant in the room, of course, and that is how app-loving actually moved into game publishing and not just being an, an ad network or attribution platform or mediation platform. I mean, all these tools that they have. It started off with Lion Studios, which were they're pretty open about it. They, you know, they were publishing, they were helping hyper-casual games and then suddenly they were publishing hyper-casual games. You know, it's not nothing that is unheard of at the moment, but back then it was a kind of uh, uh, 
a move that that was expected to have a ripple effect and and hyper casual publisher would would have left or not used app loving but they continue to use so the next step from that was the firecraft studio thing you know when they when they launched matching the mansion and it was pretty much competing head-to-head against playrix homescapes which is um which playrix is one of their uh, customers of course and what was also you know super shady about it was that that Farcraft Studios was marked to be headquartered in San Mateo in a coffee house. Like when you go to Google Maps, it shows yeah. a coffee house. Yeah, yeah. It was about five people working in that company. If you search it on LinkedIn, even though it's a game that is clearly made by about hundred, likely sure. ran by about two hundred people, and um, and you know to top it off, they kind of used the same creatives as Playrix as well as the same App Store optimization, and. When it was all said and done, they went to this crazy war and Glue got some collateral damage because he couldn't scale his games while these guys were just spending like crazy. They didn't really address it. They never came out and said like, hey, by the way, Firecraft Studios, yeah, it's uh, it's actually a Beijing studio called Magic Tavern. And they now they, they made Project Makeover in that game as well, uh, in yeah. that studio as well. But, but they didn't address it, which kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth it was like what, what's going on like you guys can pull these type of moves and not really talk about it which is really gangster <laughs> and um yeah so my question to you because this is very much marketing driven business case like what's your take on on app love and, and especially when i was reading your articles on, on content fortress and we talked about it in the last growth triggers how would you evaluate the uh the, the fortress that is app Lovin? Yeah, I think what was interesting about the S1 is we finally got a glimpse of how many games AppLovin publishes first party because no one knew. Like, they've been pretty secretive about it. And, you know, my sense was always that, like, what we know, there's a tip of the iceberg situation at play, right? Like, we know probably about 10% of what AppLovin is publishing. 200 games is a lot, right? So, and I mean, you know, granted that a lot of those are hyper-casual, but still, it's a lot of content. Um. And it's just fascinating to see that they've actually transformed into, I mean, they will be majority content revenue, right? They'll be a games company. They won't be an ad tech company, right? Um, they, they sort of, they transitioned from, you know, being an ad network to a DSP and now they're transitioning into a, a, a content company. And so what do they look like in five years? Do they, they look like EA? Do they look like Zynga? Do they look like Facebook? I mean, what are they, you know, they, they could, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing very much like a company that's still kind of in a metamorphosis state, right? Um, so it's really, it's really fascinating to watch them just evolve over time. Um, yeah, I mean that, hey, it's fair play, right? They don't have to tell you who their, who their studios are. Uh, so I knew someone who went down to that office or they went down to the Firecraft office and they was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Uh, so yeah, it, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, f- f- you know, well, well played to them. Um, you know, I've said a million times, they, they just execute so exceptionally well, uh, and like flawlessly, I feel like that safe, safety DK acquisition was ended up being really smart too. um, just getting that footprint and, you know, plugging that in. So if you think about what app, what app Lovin's accumulated over the years, you know, they started out as an ad network. They, they sort of transitioned into being a DSP. Then they bought max, uh, then they bought adjust you know, and then they, then they bought all this content that they just sort of like layered on top of that. And now, you know, and we talked about this a while ago, but like now they've just become like this self-sufficient ecosystem in, in their own right. You know what I mean? And 
my I, I compare them a lot to um, to, to or like the analogy I use for how I think they're evolving is like they'll become, you know, I read this book, uh, The Man Who Solved the Market. It's about the guy who founded Renaissance Technologies. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest hedge funds. And, you know, they, they basically just built, I mean, I won't go into the, the details of the book, but basically the, the fund is it's a closed fund. They don't allow outside money in anymore. It's just the, the employees are so rich. They just manage their own money. And, uh, and, and that's what I think Apple Oven is going to become. It's like, well, you know, guys, we don't need to sell you any ads. We're, we, we sell our own ads to our own to our own uh, companies, to our own content. We'll, we'll buy ads from you. Yeah. You can send us users, <laughs> but we're never going to send you users. Like, or we'll send you the, the bad users, sure, but we're not going to send you any monetizers. Well, well that's, the, that's the weirdest part because there's clear conflict of interest, of course. They have the ad network and they have other, other games in their network and they're getting their data. And normally a company would come in and say like, no, 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 this is all fair play and there's not going to be conflict of interest. But we know what Apple Oven has done before. Like this is yeah. like we have the whole Firecraft thing. So you can't come in and say like, guys, it's it's totally fair play. It's one hundred percent because because we know we know that they're here to win. And by the way, I was actually looking at this. I was like, how did how did KKR jump in so, you know, at a such a not at a such a good time, but at a such a great yeah. map, like um low that like they they took a chunk at a, at a pretty low valuation, like only four x yeah. revenues. And, um, and then if you do a little bit of a LinkedIn research, you will understand that the president <laughs> of, of Applovin is also, um, also a member of KKR. So, well, well, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's not, that's not unusual. He was also, I mean, he was also at Morgan Stanley and that's the, the lead bank right on their IPO. I, I think there was a time, you know, then, so I think there's two things. One is they had that kind of messy debt situation with the Chinese company that was ultimately, that was ultimately not able to acquire them. I mean, I don't know how messy it was, but basically they were going to get acquired. And then instead the Cepheus rejected it because there was a whole wave of Chinese companies buying up gaming studios, right. For the, for the sort of uh, cash flow arbitrage and the multiple arbitrage. And so they, that got rejected by Cepheus, the acquisition. And so then, um, they just ended up buying debt in Apple Oven, which I guess someone told me that they paid it back like in just a couple of years. Uh, but then, so that, so there was that situation plus, you know, there was in the not, you know, too distant past, uh, ad tech was just like not very sexy at all. I mean, now it's the consolidation is insane, the, the pace of it. Um, and, and the combination of content and all the stuff and, and the ATT has, you know, accelerated that. But yeah, there was a time when ad tech was just seen as crap and like no one, you know, these companies couldn't go public. A lot of them raised too much money. Um, you know, they weren't growing. And so ad tech just wasn't seen as a sexy space. And I think that's part of the reason why they expanded into content. So yeah, I mean, a good, you know, good, good on them. But I mean, honestly, people say this, like, no, there's a conflict, Apple event is a conflict of interest. It's like, well, how, what do you mean? Is that, is that illegal? Is, are they legally restricted from doing something that they're doing? Like, are they breaking the law? Or are they just it's smart? Not like, it's not fair. That's what people say. Right. It, well, you know what? <laughs> your own Life's ad not fair. <laughs> yeah, build your own ad network. No one's stopping you from doing that. <laughs> this uh, one time I was talking to this uh, investor uh, and he was, he was telling me about some investment he was going to make. And, and somebody at his, at his firm told him like, we can't do that. There's a conflict of interest. And he goes, conflict of, he was just like, he was like ranting to me. He's like, conflict of interest, conflict of interest. If there's no conflict, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is a, this is a fair point. Like I'm not trying to badmouth Apple Oven in any way. I think they're just fucking like, they're making the right moves and yeah. them IPOing will give them even more cash 
it's by the way interesting part of the ipo is like they have um uh the company capital structure is an interesting one because if you buy shares you get basically no say in the company naturally yeah. uh, because the management kkr have 20 votes per share so okay yeah so they have that that typical structure but anyways um they're they're making the right moves and kind of like my my actually question for you is like what do you think is going to be Applevin's future like how big do you think it's going to grow is it going to be like as big as roblox like 50 bill company well i think they're aren't they going public at like a 40 billion valuation i think it's i think i have the s1 up no i mean it's a it's a big company uh yeah. maybe i mean it's not maybe that's too that's too big but i thought the the value i thought the market cap was going to be pretty huge at let's see what are they doing well they haven't priced it yet that's yeah, right exactly yeah, so right. I, I we, did, yes, I we don't know yeah no no you're right you're right it's not 40 that's nice um but <laughs> i think i'm i think i think i'm thinking of unity is 40 billion right now but yeah. um yeah i don't know i mean if you think about so i think a lot of people are they're i think they're they're honing in on this idea that app loving expands beyond games um but in my mind that's not a big that's not a big opportunity if you what's the and what's the what's the prototype for that company that that is like the broad-based sort of portfolio of apps well that's iac and that's a two billion dollar company apple is already bigger than that mm -hmm. right i mean i does he do, i mean that yeah that, i mean that goes back to my question what does apple oven look like in five years does it look like ea maybe um yeah. you know do they do they even really sell ad tech to ex externally anymore um or is it like a closed fund kind of thing or is it like, well, yeah, I mean, you you can monetize with Max, but you know, we're not gonna sell you users because we we want all the users for our own properties. Because if you look at you know that 200 apps, that 30 million DAU, if you look at a map of like, you know, I used to give this presentation about the gaming space, and it was just like four quadrants, and it was like you know the the y-axis was like casual core, the the x-axis was like male female, and just mapping the apps across that. Um, it, it, App Eleven would cover the whole thing. I mean, they've yeah. got everything. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. you know, and that was part of the MZ acquisition too. They wanted to get that very, very core segment. Um, so you know, they so like, is there a bad user for App Eleven? Like, if you think about a user floating through their ecosystem, is there a user where they say, you know what, this user can't be put to any good use at all in our portfolio? We're going to sell them. No, because they could, you know, at, at the very least, they put them into a hyper casual title, and it's a DAU there, right? And it's five ad impressions, right? So it's like, there's no user that they can't sort of extract utility from. So why would they sell users? Why would they, why would they make their ad tech available to external parties for the purposes of doing UA, right? They're going to keep, they're going to wrap their arms around all their DAU and they won't sell you users. They'll buy them from you though. You can use Max. Um, and so, you know, I, my sense is like, maybe they're not even really selling ad tech externally anymore in five years. Maybe they're just a content company. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> They don't, they don't specifically talk about games. So I don't think like EA route is, is that, you know, really heading that, I don't know, is it because of IPO, but they specifically talk about apps. They, they don't want to talk about games that much. They, they always yeah. talk about apps and, and maybe, maybe it's because of the IPO. Maybe, you know, the, the investors are still a little bit afraid of games and think about it as too much hit driven, unlike apps. So that's, that's how they, they word themselves, but but honestly, like in my opinion, like this is one of the, like if you would have to name three biggest gaming companies in the West in the next three years, I think Apple Oven is one of them, right? Like Apple Oven, Unity, Roblox. Yeah. I mean, Epic yeah, is maybe. right there as well. It's, it's kind of like, 
those would be kind of like the big four. Yeah, I don't know about Epic. What do you think yeah. about Epic? Where, I where love Epic Unreal go? Engine. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> But um no epic epic is definitely interesting um i mean they're uh, they're quite ideological which is yeah. also good and it could hurt them at some point but they are very ideological it's it's really easy to get behind them and as you were previous in the previous podcast you were ex- describing uh their north carolina hq and you were saying like it was like walking in a paradise like everybody seemed to be really happy so I, I think it's a it's a very good company. It's a very healthy company. Yeah, but I, they, I mean, right now they they have a hit game, right? They have a store that is not that hasn't the pick, the uptake on that hasn't been that you know that yeah. considerable. What happens when their game's not a hit game anymore, right? Is 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 Fortnite you know uh, a sort of perennial hit game or does it wane off at some point? It has to. I don't know because it, it it just feels like that you can't they you have to build okay that 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 game gives you a big platform to build on but you got to build on it. And like, is this crusade that Tim Sweeney's on? Is that successful? I don't think so. Are they? Are they? Are they affecting any meaningful change? It feels like they're scratching around the the margin. The North Dakota stuff. Who cares? Uh, you go to North Dakota. What, what's that going to accomplish? That's there's, you're not going to start a fire there, right? Like it's it's uh, it just feels like you know these these tiny little wins that aren't amounting to anything. Um, and where do you go? Like if you want to become a fifty billion dollar company, I mean, I guess what their last valuation was like ten uh, or, or more maybe 12 or something, but yeah. like, yeah, that's a huge company. That's Matt. I and mean, it's massively successful. And, and that's great. But like, I, I don't know to be like, I don't know to, to, to stay there. I mean, that's off the back of a hit game. That's not off the back of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's 100% true. I mean, yeah, the, the engine alone won't, won't have them there. They've had the engine for a long time and it's clear that a lot of Chinese developers are actually moving to unreal as well. Like we've seen in some of the really? new games that they're, they're pushing out. Lilith is using unreal. Um, Timmy studios is going to unreal. So, so definitely that that helps, but nevertheless, it's not the big step. And the companies that they bought, like they bought Rocket League, which made made sense. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great thing for their store. You'll always have player for it. Uh, they bought that um, Fall Guy company, but wasn't yeah, yeah. wasn't that game kind of done? Like it, uh, yeah, it popped and dropped, and they kind of bought it after after it, you know, dropped already. Like people weren't playing it that much. So yeah, um, it's it's a valid point. It's a like the only the only challenge with epic it's both their good and bad side is that ideology like you can yeah. sway them towards the wrong battles yeah yeah like you're right just- and, and well that's a good contrast too with app loving right it's like oh. you know we just execute and we make money that's our yeah. ideology you're either with us or, you know feel free to not join the ride right <laughs> that, that's, that, 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 that should be the app lovings as yeah. one. <laughs> feel free to not join the ride yeah. That would be so good. Feel free to not join the ride, man. You know what I mean? Applauding. Someone else will take, take that. Take it. Take it. You yeah. can change this. You can still change it. This this would be the one. Feel yeah. free not to join the ride. Epic also bought uh, House Party, which was the clubhouse of three years ago. Yeah. 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 It's almost like they would they would buy the um the Amongst Us game right yeah. now. Like, hey, we bought yeah, right. it. Like, is anybody still playing it? I mean, yeah damn i i think well i i don't understand so like you had meerkat which just was it it was again it was like a shark fin yes right just, yeah house part then they pivoted to house party which same thing um in clubhouse is going to be the same thing i think uh, of course of course i mean it already kind of has peaked out in terms of downloads yeah yeah and then 
I don't know. People keep asking me to do a clubhouse and, and, and jump on. And like, is it better than podcast? Because when we record this, we'll have thousands of people listening through this. But if yeah. we do this on a clubhouse, we get like 70. And all those 70s would have an amazing time. Yeah. But I'd rather take the few thousand. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm at. Well, exactly. And I, I did a clubhouse recently. I, I just, just did an experiment, right, to see how it would how it would go. And I, I promoted it pretty heavily. Um, I just gave a presentation. So it wasn't a chat. I just wanted to see, could I could I just talk to people? Could I just me? Mm-hmm. And I had a QA at the end, but I was like, I was I was really regimented about it. I was like, you get to come up, ask a question, and then after you ask your question, I'm booting you off. There's no discussion. Uh, and then I'll answer your question. But like I'm not doing the hey, I'll invite you up and somebody starts grandstanding and talking about, you know, their company is uh-huh. so great and the product they make is blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, so I did it and I got 350 concurrence, I think, which is like decent. That's good. Um, That's but good. then I posted it as a podcast and I got, you know, within a couple of days, the podcast got, you know, five X that. Exactly. So it's like, well, you know, okay. I'd rather just, if I'm going to use my audience, I'd rather just use them. You know, I'd rather just allow them to listen when they want. People are complaining about the timing cause they're in Europe. And it was like, and then it's just, it goes away the clubhouse thing and they won't let you record it. So then I had to like re-record it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's fine. Like if you pop in and I don't know if you want, I mean, I've, I've been in a couple, I did one with a 16 Z guys and it had like 2000 people listening and that was cool. Um, that was with, with crest was on there too. But, um, you know, if you're just, (laughs) if you're just sort of, yeah, if you're just taking a flyer and you, you start a clubhouse, you're gonna have eight people listening and you're just sort of like, I've, I've been in some that were just like people just just chatting, like, but it's also different in your position and mine as well. Like not everybody has a podcast. Sure. So yeah, get, they, they, they don't have like, Hey, should I have like 5,000 listening to my podcast or right. go on a clubhouse for 3,300? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not an option. <laughs> right. Yeah. Podcaster problems. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> but it, it's true. Anyways. Anyways. So I think we covered it all. I think we covered it all for this time around. So in the end, what we're saying is app loving fucking amazing and you should invest, right? Get on the, you're, you're free to not. Free? Grab your seat on the train. Be free not to join the ride. <laughs> yeah. Feel free that's, to not join the ride. We're, we're yeah. pulling out of the station though. So exactly. Conflict of interest. Yeah. That's the next station. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so definitely I'm actually, I'm going to invest uh, as soon as they go out. I'm going to invest my money in app loving. I like that. Um, I like when the company is a little bit of a gangster. They, they fight the good fight for the company and for the shareholders. <laughs> right. Oh man, what come like? Look at Zuck. Look at Bill Gates. Right? Yeah. I mean, these, these these transformational companies didn't get there by just I don't know, like treating everybody with kid gloves, or you know, it's it's sorry, this it's just the real world. Like I mean, yes. I don't know. It's... Yeah, we 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 agree on app loving, and then number two, CAID. You your your take, uh, and as you revealed on this on this podcast first not going to happen they're not going to let the uh, the chinese run the uh, run run the muck on them yeah and you wonder like then just what cause I don't, so i'm i'm not familiar you know this stuff is is started like someone posted the other day like is idfa going to start world war three <laughs> like, but there's there's getting it like there's there's you know geopolitical considerations are, are you know sort of like are surfacing here and i don't know what i don't know what the mechanisms are for like remedying something like that. Like if there, if, if data started, if companies were like, you know what, I'm, 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 uh, I'm getting in on CAID. I don't care. You know, I need, I need that persistent ID and they start routing their, their traffic or they start, they start sending their, you know, IP address uh, based fingerprints to Chinese servers. 
who who intervenes? Like, what government agency is that? Like, I don't even know. Here's my prediction. Like, Apple has basically two two options. They either let the Chinese do what the Chinese do, or they don't, and they're out of the market. Because yeah. if they don't let the Chinese to put in like their favorite apps, like the WeChat right. and whatever it is, like WeChat alone, if you can't use yeah. that on your iPhone, why would you have an iPhone in China? Right. Like, yeah. what what were you gonna do with an iPhone? Yeah. So that's gonna be it. That's that's yeah. pretty much gonna be it. They're they're gonna be like the Huawei phone in the uh, in in the China. And right. I mean, not like the Huawei phone is in the West. They're going to be the same thing yeah. in, the, in, in China. I'd be like, oh, cool, cool phone. Yeah, that looks really cool. Does it have a great camera? Oh, nice, nice. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, oh, you, oh, you can't use WeChat on it? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Google Maps. So I can't right. get an Uber. I can't get a Lyft. I can't order yeah. food. Yeah, thanks. You think so? I'm going to buy that phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I just, I just, they're just in such a difficult position. Because they could just get their hardware sales alone in China, you know, are 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 so meaningful to them that they can't do anything to jeopardize that, you know. And then and then put aside like any sort of like services stuff. I they they're just inside, and I I just I can't understand the people who think like no no this is a no brainer they're just going to allow it because that opens up a different. What do they what do they say like okay CAAD is possible and you could do the same type of thing in in Europe and in the US. They'd be like, well, we protected the privacy. But this is what we're going to do, and this is it, and business is going to continue. I think that's what has to happen. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I, this calls into question the legitimacy of, of ATT. If they say, you know what, fingerprinting, fair game, fine. We're, we have to allow CAID, so feel free to do what you're going to do. Because, I mean, they, people have been talking about building that kind of system since ATT got announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just takes, it, it takes so much coordination that only the Chinese government could pull it off, right? Um, it takes like sort of, you know, command economy type coordination yeah. to, to get that done. Like a bunch of companies aren't going to like pool their data together, you know, apropos of nothing. You need the Chinese government to say, Hey, you, you better join this or, well, I mean, I've, I've heard it's, you, you got to have to, you have to buy a membership and, and pay into it, but still, I mean, I mean, it takes that level of sort of command driven coordination to, to, to pull something like this off that I don't know that that's why I was skeptical of it happening elsewhere, but it will happen elsewhere. If people see it working in China, it's like, well, we should build this. And then ATT doesn't is, is totally meaningless. Yeah. Fuck. Interesting times. Yeah. Interesting times. What do you, what do you, yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, what's, what's your, what's your prediction apart from Apple having become a $50 billion company? Um, for the Apple, I think, I think, I think CAID will, I don't know. I, I think Apple's going to try to push back. I think they're, they're maybe going to have to capitulate at some point. Um, and then I think there's going to be like some sort of government intervention from the U S and you know that that French um, antitrust lawsuit got they were they were they were trying to push for an injunction um, to stop the, the rollout of ATT in uh, in France on the basis of uh, antitrust. And um, if that would have happened, it basically would have stopped the rollout in the EU. And the the judge ruled against it, so they ended up not going forward with it. So there there isn't really any sort of momentum right now with like antitrust. But my sense is like if CAID took off, Facebook would say, look you can't allow the Chinese government to do this. And then we have, and we have our hands tied behind our backs. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Biden has been kind of, uh, you know, aggressive uh, in terms of his rhetoric towards China. I feel like the government would get involved in some way. Like, the, but I, again, like we're, 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 we're moving so far outside of just like, Hey, this is the dynamics of the mobile ecosystem right now. It's really becoming like sort of geopolitical. And I have no idea 
what the steps are at that level, like what government agencies are even involved or, or who, who is, who is involved that, you know, needs to be greased. It's, yeah. it's like, who needs to be greased to get this out of our, yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, this is, this is going to be fascinating just because Apple has positioned it as a privacy thing and now yeah. and gone against Facebook. Right. So yeah, they, I think they're going to have to back down or lose China. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, it's not viable to lose China. Yeah, not for shareholders. No. All right, Eric. Thank you so much. Where can people catch you next? Just find me on Twitter, man. That's where I am all all day long. All day long. Clubhouse a little bit. Mostly Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly Twitter. All right. All right, Guys, buddy. See you next time. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Eric. Thank you for listening through the whole episode. For more growth content, please check out previous episodes on Deconstructor of Fun Podcast and do visit the Mobile Dev Memo website as well as the Mobile Dev Memo podcast. For more growth topics, please do connect with myself or Eric Sufer directly through LinkedIn or Twitter. And for discussion about what we talked on this podcast, please join the Deconstructor of Fun Slack group. The application can be found on deconstructor.com website. And last, but definitely not least, huge thanks to our sponsors, Iron Source and Apps Flyer. Catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.